0: Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon, and remember... I wanted you to stand and, and read that verse with me. Um, we've based these past two sermons with this foundational verse right here, Psalm 50:23. We introduced it last week. It's a powerful, powerful scripture. It's one that we noticed last week that Jesus is the fulfillment, really, of this scripture. He's actually the great definition of this, uh, of this scripture. It's Jesus. And, and we learned a bit what it means to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. If you weren't here last week or if you weren't able to catch the podcast, I I encourage you to do that Uh, when you leave here today or sometime during this week. Listen to the first part of this message as we jump into the second part um, today. But, But I do believe that the second part of this verse is tied together with the first part of the verse. Listen with me for a moment. NLT says it this way, but giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. And the second part is, if you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. I truly, truly believe that, that this is one verse linked, two sentences in one verse linked to each other. The, the B part of this scripture, it's talking about a path. And obviously paths are to be journeyed on. So the psalmist is telling us that there's a path and we are journeying on it. And this path is to be kept, It's to be faithful, and it's to persevere in it. Look what he says. If you keep your path, if you persevere in your path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. So, So this path, when you really read for what it is, it's but one thing. That it's been paved, it's been designed by the one who caused us to travel on it. It's, it's, a, it's something that's been paved for us to walk on. So, so when I read this, I get this, that this path is nothing else but the will of God. And that's what this path is. If you're taking notes, Psalm fifty twenty three, the path that it's talking about there is the will of God that is designed by our creator who caused his creation to walk in it. How many of you could say amen? Thank you, Lord, for paving roads for me to walk on because, man, my life would be horrible if I chose my roads to walk on. Like, I'd be disastrous right now if I had to walk on roads that I paved for, for myself. Hey, you've ever paved roads for yourself and walked on those roads? How'd it go? <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for paving my path. Amen? And if you keep this path, it says here, if you remain faithful, if you stay obedient to his will, you will receive, or, or better yet, it will be revealed to you. Well, what will be revealed to you? Well, There it is. The, the, what I would call the ultimate reward for all mankind. And it's nothing else but, but the salvation of God. That, that is it, man. There's nothing greater than God's salvation. What, name you one thing that is greater than the salvation of God. Because to, to go deep into the salvation of God, you're going to go to the what? To the, to the cross of Christ. To the death of Christ. I mean, there's nothing greater than that. So in this path, in this will, in this journey, whatever you decide to call it, there is a thanksgiving that is required. It's required from us. It's a thanksgiving in which the psalmist tells us in this text, it comes from a sacrificial offering. I really want you to see that because I'm believing this more these days that it's difficult to truly be thankful if you first haven't entered through the process called sacrifice. I'll say that again. I believe that it's difficult to truly be thankful if you first haven't entered through the process called sacrifice. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And if you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. Amen. Let's get elementary here for a moment. What does sacrifice mean? What does it mean? Well, here's the definition of sacrifice, straight up from the dictionary. Here it is. It's an act of slaughtering, like slaughtering an animal, even a person, or surrendering a possession as an offering to God or to a divine or supernatural figure. Straight up, that's, that's sacrifice. That's what it means. So when I look at the word sacrifice, you see words like what? Slaughtering, surrendering, Awesome words, right? Slaughtering, surrendering. And I've noticed this, that sacrifice is gory, right, in Scripture. Sacrifice is painful. Remember um, Abraham, when I preached on that, like two weeks straight, remember Abraham put his what? His son on the altar to what? To sacrifice him. That's painful. That's gory. He was going to put a dagger in him, okay? That's painful, gory, sorrowful it hurts and i've noticed that sacrifice is all of those things it's gory it's painful but also that thanksgiving that it doesn't necessarily have to come from a place called joy or happiness today i'm going to kind of flip your wig a little bit and tell you that thanksgiving can actually come from a place called sorrow wow isn't that crazy today i want to tell you that thanksgiving could, ask, could can actually come from a place called pain that thanksgiving could actually come from a place called darkness because, you know, in the Bible, there was people that were stuck in caves and dens. There was people stuck in fires. There were people stuck in bellies of a fish. There were people that were stuck in wars. There were people that, I mean, I could tell you story after story after story after story after story. A, more gruesome than I can just a beautiful flowery walking in the fields kind of stories that will tell you that most of God's followers were in some sorrowful, painful hardships in life and they needed to find thanksgiving in the midst of that. Hope you feel good this Sunday. Because, because this is what scripture teaches us. Hey, how do you feel? Well, not too good. Awesome. Do you know that not too good, you could be so thankful? How do you feel? I'm just filled with pain. Well, do you know that there's a thanksgiving in the midst of that pain? Some of us here are, are grateful and we're filled with gratitude because we've been at a place called sacrifice. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving can come from a place called gory, a place called suffering and pain. The word sacrifice and slaughtering and... Sur- I love those words. I'm just a guy, you know, we like those things. And surrendering possessions, like sacrifice, slaughtering, surrender. Those are things that we don't want to do necessarily. But some of us here could, could say, I know, I know what that's about. And I know what it is to be in Thanksgiving today because of a place called sorrow in my life. Some of us can rejoice in Thanksgiving today. Some of us can, and and the truth is some of us here cannot, but some of us can because of this initial process of offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving, offering a sacrifice that that we first endured, and and maybe for some of you, we we did this a couple weeks ago, we're still enduring it today. We're still going through it today. Last week, we learned that Jesus took wine and bread. If you were here last week, I pray that you were blessed by last week's message, amen? And uh, last week we, we spoke a little bit about Jesus, uh, he taking bread and wine, and as he takes bread and wine, he, he gives thanks to God for it, pretty amazing. And I said this last week, and, and I'll repeat it again today to make the point, you know, there's nothing in there that that's a pretty picture. Artists have drawn beautiful murals of it, of the Last Supper, which I don't think it looked anything like the way artists draw it, I don't even think Jesus really looked like that. You know what I'm saying? Some of the disciples looked very old in those drawings. Actually, they were very young. They should have drawn them a little bit younger. Many of them without beards still, you know. But Jesus goes ahead and he gives thanks for, for wine and for bread. And he gives thanks for it. And, and the truth is, that's not a pretty picture at all. It's not a pretty picture. Because we learned that he was giving thanks for a blood. He was giving thanks for a body that was going to be what? Slaughtered. Doesn't that, doesn't that just make you go, man? When you look at the life of Christ, he was going to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53. The lamb that will be led to the slaughter, Isaiah says, some 500 years before he did it. Hundreds of years before Jesus is on the cross, Isaiah says, oh yeah, the Son of God. He's going to be like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. What a coincidence, if you want to call it that, that Jesus Christ is called the Lamb of God. When John the Baptist saw him walking through, he says, oh, behold, there he is, the Lamb of God. What is he saying? The fulfillment of Isaiah some hundreds of years ago. Because when he says that, the Jewish people, light bulbs went off in their heads. When he pointed at Jesus and says, the Lamb of God, all the Jews went, ding, 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 the Messiah's here. Why do you think most of John the Baptist's disciples left him? And they went to follow Jesus. Why are you leaving me? No, he never said that. You should leave me, actually. That's why when one came up to him and says, hey, you know, Jesus is growing in numbers. You're kind of shrinking in numbers. He's like, good. I need to shrink so that he could grow up. So he could, that he could take on this ministry. Why? Because the Lamb of God is here. The Lamb of God is here. And, and Isaiah spoke about that hundreds of years early, that he's gonna be led like a sheep, like a lamb, to this slaughter. So, so, like I said a few minutes ago, he is the very definition of Psalm 5023. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. The greatest way that Jesus Christ, God's Son, honored God the Father is by offering up his life to the Father's will. Because he knew Scripture. He was actually the scripture in the human flesh. So he offers himself up to God, the Father, as a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And then maybe you're here and there's another part of us. Maybe you don't belong to that crowd of thanksgiving because you don't see yourself thankful. You don't see yourself filled with gratitude. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. And the reason why you struggle with thanksgiving, maybe the reason why we struggle with gratitude is because We struggle to see Christ in our pain. We struggle to see Christ in the suffering. We struggle to see Christ in the gore of life. Huh? Anyone in here? I don't know. For me, sometimes it's just easier to see Jesus when everything's going well. But how about when everything is not going so well? Do you see Christ in your pain? Because. The point that I want to hit home today is this, that Christ is in your pain and Christ is in your suffering with you. For what? To give you thanksgiving in the midst of that suffering. Isn't that crazy? In Daniel chapter 6, I'll read from the NLT today. It's during a time when the people of Judah were taken into Babylonian captivity. Uh, I mean, I don't have time right now to go into the history of Israel, but Israel at this moment was split into two different nations, what not the northern and then the southern Israel. Um, northern Israel was stayed with the name of Israel and um, the other half stayed with the name of Judah. One kept 10 of the brothers, uh, the 10 tribes and the other one left the two of the tribes and they created their own kingdoms with their own kings and God's people, the people of Judah, are taken by Babylon and they're taken to Babylon as captives and as slaves and they were there for 70 years. I would say that's a lot of years to be a slave. 70 years. Any Cubans in here? How long was Fidel Castro um, uh, holding the captivity in Cuba? How many years was that for? You guys ain't Cuban. You would know that answer. 57 years. So that was a lot of years, right? We're talking about 70 years. 70 years in Babylonian captivity. And and, and when they were taken to Babylonian captivity, Judah had some good men, some loyal men, some respected men. And and these men knew how to govern. Uh, These men were very wise, very smart. So what did the Babylonians do? They used it for their advantage. Many of them became slaves. But some of these wise men, a very few of them, they placed them in their ranks. And they taught them the ways of the Babylonian religions and the Babylonian laws and the Babylonian manner of living so that they could become like one of them, like a Babylonian. So they grab some of these key men, and one of them is very popular. We know him in our Bible. His name is Daniel. Daniel becomes part of their high ranks, and um, he's loved by his Babylonian captors. Yeah, captors. And I want to read through some of this passage because I want you to see something. Uh, Let's start off in verse 3. Why not? We are in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Check this out. Just to prove to you how amazing Daniel was. It says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Guys, we're talking about Babylon here. This is the most powerful people right now during this time. And who are they putting to be as one of the most powerful men placing them over the whole entire empire? Daniel. A Jewish man not that crazy? Talk about when God favors you. It doesn't matter who your enemies are. He will place you above your enemies. Isn't that crazy, man? So because of his great ability, he, the king made plans to place him over everything. This is, this is so crazy because here is a man from Judah, a Jewish man, and he's growing in the ranks above those who are from Babylon. From Babylon. You know that happens in the church, right? When you're of the church, and someone that's not of the church, and they start coming to church, and then they begin to grow in the church, and, like, and the people that were of the church, and they're like, well, we're of this church, and how come someone that doesn't even know our language is already at that place? And we're like, hey, this is all biblical. It's always happened. These are things that happen in life. So, so here is Daniel, and he's growing, and the Babylonian administrators now are not going to get jealous. Look at verse 4. It says, then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Look at verse 4. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Just let that sink in for a moment. Just let that really touch home for a moment. They begin to... Look into Daniel's life in verse 4 and 5. They try to find fault in him. Let's see how he handles government. They probably brought some stuff to him and he probably answered every single one right to see how he would govern over these affairs. They couldn't find anything to criticize and tell on him. They couldn't find anything to condemn him and bring him before the king. They couldn't find anything to to kill him. They could not do anything, but they knew something about Daniel. Man, Daniel does not waver. He is always faithful. He is always responsible. And man, if there's anyone that you could trust in, it's always Daniel. So if we're going to find some fault in him, let's look deep into his religion. Let's look deep into his faith, and let's see if we could catch him in his faith. Man, I want to be like Daniel. I want that when when there's any accusations that people are like, well, well, you're a Jesus lover. (laughs) Thank you. Cool. Well, you're such a Bible follower. That's good. I'll take that, B. I'm a Bible follower. I'm good with that. Well, you're, you're a... I hope that when they try to accuse us, they say, well, let's see if we can find something in connection with his religion, right? Let's keep going. We'll get into the meat of where we're at. So they, what do they do? They go to the king. They trick the king. And the king is filled with pride. He's the king of Babylon. And look what they tell the king. Hey, king, verse, uh, I think this is the next one. It says, give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty, that they will be thrown into the den of lions. How many of you, verse 7, how many of us have read this story before, right? The lion's den. We've Since we were little kids, if you ever went to... Um, Your kids are probably learning it right now. Who knows? But I read this passage and, and, and I literally wrote this down. This is so meaningful to us. This text is so rich to the believer. So rich to us. Because here are these high up administrators in the government, dealing with government affairs and they're searching for a way to destroy Daniel. They grow jealous that this Jewish man from Judah is favored over them and is placed higher than them in ranking. So what do they do? We see in scripture that they searched to criticize and condemn him. They found no fault in Daniel and all because Daniel was three things and he was consistent in three things. Ready? Faithful, responsible, and trustworthy. Faithful, responsible, and trustworthy. These men finally come up with one conclusion and they say we'll accuse him according to the rules of his religion. <laughs> we're going to look into his faith and look into his religion and there is where we will catch him. Well, well this is where they failed tremendously. And this is the meat of my message right now that I'm about to enter because all that these men knew when it came to religion, do not miss this right now, was rules. These were Babylonian captors, these were Babylonian high-ups. And if you know anything about the Babylonian Empire, these were polytheistic men. Meaning meaning these were people who worshipped many gods. Are you guys with me? We 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 believe in monotheism. We are monotheistic. We believe in one God only. Amen? But these guys believed in many gods. They worshipped many gods. And each one of their gods had rules to them. I mean it was crazy. I don't know how someone could be a polythe uh follow polytheism because it's like this god has this kind of rules, this god you got to sacrifice this kind of stuff. This god you got to do it at this time and it's like how do you figure out which god is what? Like it's overwhelming. Like I'm just trying to get my life right with the Lord. Like how do you guys do all those things? So each one of their gods had specific rules. And you know what's really challenging? That according to who was ruling or who was king, some of those laws on worship would change. Because he's the king. And in those times, kings are are, are God sent, are given by God. So they have like that same power. They're actually pretty much called gods. You know, the pharaohs were considered gods in Egypt. So so they now can can change the rules of specific worship. And and now it gets even more confusing because you get a certain way to worship the sun god, but now a king comes in, he's like, Well, we're gonna worship the sun god this way, like, oh man, 15 years I was doing it that way. It could be very confusing. So what happens, they they came up with a plan of success. And they caught Daniel where he would not waver. Man, may people catch you in a place where you do not waver. Man. But what they did not understand is that, that Daniel was not conditioned or bound to the rules of religion. Instead, in the midst of tyranny, guys, follow with me. In the midst of dictatorship, that's what Daniel was under. In the midst of evil governments, that's what Daniel was under. Daniel lived in the freedom of his religion. He was not conditioned by the rules, but he was conditioned by his relationship with his God. How is it that you're able to live under such tyranny? Do you know the God that I serve? How is it that you're able to to flow under this Babylonian captivity? Do you know the God that I pray to? (laughs) So he's able able to go through all of this stuff because he, he didn't have rules to religion. He had a relationship. His religion was based off, I know God, not I need to abide by this to know God. It's because I know God is the reason why I pray. Many people are like, well, I need to pray because I need to know God. And he's like, no, my relationship is totally different. So the king signs, Darius signs this decree. No one, that's such a good law, guys. I love that law. No one is to pray to any human being. No one is to pray to any other God but to me for 30 days. Wow, who doesn't want to be prayed to for 30 days and just honored? Like you're making sculptures of Darius and you're just bowing down and worshiping a man. Like you just walk down the street and was like, oh, and everyone's just worshiping you for 30 days. You know Darius was around the streets more often those 30 days. He would show up at a restaurant. Oh, everyone just starts worshiping him. For 30 days, everyone just bow to me. 30 days, if not, they're going to be what? What was the consequences of breaking that decree? They're going to be thrown into a lion's den. I, I'm, come on. Most of Babylon I was like 30 days only. I'll, I'm, I'm digging that. I'm digging bowing down to Darius rather than being thrown into a lion's den. I'm digging that. It's just 30 days. Honey, when he walks in, just pray to him. Shh. But I don't like him. Just pray to him. It's better than a lion's den. Right? I right? You, you better not say right. I'm tricking you guys. <laughs> say no to me. Some you like, it's true. <laughs> when i want to knock some of you out. What do you mean, yeah? How long have you been in this church? No, you can't. You should have seen some of your face like, heck yeah. Operate will him. <laughs> Shame on you. Discipleship starts soon. In the new year, you better get discipled. Amen? Love you guys, man. You know if the Dolphins win today, they're in a six-game winning streak. Right? It's a lot to be thankful for, man. Verse 10. I was to be thankful for. Verse 10. So Daniel hears about this decree that's being signed, right? Look at verse 10 with me. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, this is crazy. For all of you that are like, yeah, it's just 30 days. I'll worship him. No. Because when Daniel heard that the law had been signed, he went home, he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, and guess what he did with the windows? He opened them. Oh, really? You made a decree? Watch this. I'm going to open my windows today, and I want people to know that I'm praying to someone else other than Darius if they're listening. I don't have nothing to hide in my faith. I have nothing to be shamed about. I'm going to do what I, I usually do. What's that? I'm going to go home now. Because you know what happened, right? Daniel just left the king's palace. He heard about the decree. And as he was walking home, people were talking about it in the streets because things like that were made. Announcements were made. So, so people are like, oh my God, did you hear about King Darius? He made a new law. He made a new decree. You have to worship him only for 30 days and pray to him for 30 days. Daniel, you're a man of faith. You're from Judah. And from Judah, you worship this, this God, right? The God of all things. So, so now what are you supposed to do, Daniel? What do you, he's like, what am I going to do? <laughs> what am I going to do? Nothing's changed. Come home with me. Watch. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to the room that I always go to. I'm going to open the same window that I always open, and I'm going to get on the same knees that I always get on, and I'm going to say the same prayers that I always pray. I'm going to seek my God. I don't care what that king says. I'm going to do what's most important, and that is before being obedient to any man or to any form of government, I'm going to be obedient to the government of my God, and I'm going to be obedient to my Lord, and I'm going to worship him, and I'm going to pray to him, and I'm going to seek him way before I ever go over there and touch that idol or pray to that man. So you're actually going to do it? Of course. It's usual. It's custom of me of doing that. Why would I change? Hey, why would I go to another lover's house if I already have a lover at my house that I'm very well pleased with? Yes. I belong to one God. So why am I going to share my faith with that man? I'm not going to cheat on God. I'm going to go home like it's custom to me go home because I'm a faithful man and I always go back home. I don't mess around in the streets. I know what's out in the street corners and I know what happens at nighttime. The freaks come out to play. Dangerous things happen. He made a decree and in the midst of his decree, he's calling me to be what? Everything that was described to me before that I'm not. Come on, go back to scripture. What were the three things he was? (laughs) What do you mean what am I going to do now? I'm going to go back home. How can you do that? Because did you not read the other verses? I'm what? I'm trustworthy. I'm faithful. And I'm responsible. And I don't care what laws are passed. You're not going to stop me from those three things. Because that's what God called me to be. How many of you can say amen? So with his windows open, he started to pray three times a day. You know what's crazy? Like he could have gotten away with it once. Like, hey, he did it once. Shh. No one saw you. He's like, forget that. I'm used to praying three times. And he prayed three times a day. You know, his prayers were loud. They prayed loud in these days. You know, there wasn't that much noise. It wasn't cars, it wasn't sirens. You would hear when the windows were open the noise that was inside the homes. They were spying on him. They were listening through the window cracks and they were listening through the windowsills that were open. And it says he prayed three times a day. Look what it says in verse 10. Just as he always had done. But I love what it says next. Giving thanks to his God. He's giving thanks to God. And for 30 days, a decree was signed for 30 days. You can't do that. You can't pray. And what is there to be thankful of? You're living in Babylon. What are you doing being thankful when they stripped you away from your home? Do you know that Daniel did not see his family? Do you know that Daniel was taken from his family's home? There was was family that he loved that were taken to the other regions of the world that Daniel probably never saw again in his life. Joseph got lucky that he saw his brothers again because God had another plan with Joseph. But most likely, Daniel, there were family members that Daniel never saw that he loved, that it probably hurt him. It was painful. He was filled with sorrow. I'll never see my grandmother. I will never see that love of my life again. I will never see that child again. I'll never see my nephew again. I will never be able to find them because there's not communication. There wasn't social media. When Babylon came in and took him from Judah, he was stripped away from everything he knew. And now you need to live according to our rules, and our laws, and our gods, and in the midst of such tyranny, in the midst of such sorrow, Daniel finds himself still remaining faithful, still remaining obedient, and he's bowing down, and he's worshiping God, and he's praying to God, and in the midst of pain, he's crying out, thank you, God, for all that you do. I give thanks to God. How do you find thanksgiving, Daniel? In the midst of such sorrow. He wasn't hiding anything, windows open, kneels down as usual, shows he had fellowship with God, not rules with God. A new decree signed by Darius, 30 days, no prayer to anyone, and Daniel said, goes home just as he always did and gave thanks to God in prayer. You see, Daniel knew something about his Lord, and I pray that you know this about your Lord. God is with me. When surrounded with pain, God is still with me. Even if suffering seems unavoidable. Hey, you're going to go into a lion's den. Sucks. Sucks. Take me to the lion's den. Because if a lion's den is my end result, then so be it. But I will not bow down to any other God. I will welcome the lion's den. Take me to the lion's den. Even if suffering seems unavoidable, even if I am accused for no reason, Daniel knows what. I will honor God, and I will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to him. So the king finds out. King, I got back. Shut up, you planned it. Don't act like you're a King. They planned it. They got him. They were happy. They're salivating over this situation. King, uh, you know that dude Daniel that you love, that you were going to put like the head over all of Babylon? You know, it got bad news. You know, Darius actually loved Daniel. It says the very next morning, the, the, oh, sorry, before I read verse 19. So the king was like, oh no, is there something else I could do? Can I change the laws? And like, no. You know, once your signet ring sealed that, like, it's got to be 30 days. Like, you can't go back on your laws. I mean, can you imagine what the people are going to think here? They're going to kill you. So the king had no choice but to obey what he said. He's like, oh, my God, I love Daniel so much. I can't believe that I did this. I didn't even, th-. you know what happened to the king, right? Do, do you know that man's pride could get so in the way that you forget about the people that you love and you harm them because your pride is so big? Oh, man. So he's so prideful. They like, yeah, worship me for 30 days. And he's like, oh, my God, Daniel. I forgot that he worships only one God, and I was okay with that, and I love him. I was about to put him ahead over my nation, and I can't believe this. I have to throw him in the lions then. You are filled with too much pride. Your arrogance of your pride blinded you from those that you love. That's a whole other preaching. We'll preach that another day. So he's all worried. uh, We can't read the scripture. As a matter of fact, he goes home and he rips off his clothes. He puts sackcloth on him and he's weeping and he's crying. He's fasting. God, please, I know he's in a lion's den, but save him in that lion's den. Please, please, please. I don't want my buddy Daniel to die. I love him. Lord, I can't believe I signed this decree. You think I was dealing with Darius in the midst of all this? Oh, Darius, what you don't know is all of Babylon will be saved and you're going to be saved. And I'm going to use Daniel being thrown into a lion's den to save you. You know, sometimes your pain is someone else's salvation. And it's someone else's blessing. Someone else's lift up. I almost feel like ending the message. Let's finish the story and then I'll end it. So very early the next morning, the king got up and he hurried out to the lions then, right? Right? When he gets there, he calls out with anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. Daniel wasn't tricked. uh, Darius wasn't confused or tricked. Darius knew who Daniel served. He knew it. Daniel, servant of the living God. I want you to notice Darius, who is polytheistic, he... Worships many gods. Just claimed out of his mouth to Daniel, you're different. Daniel, the one who serves the living God. <laughs> the living God. Look what he says next. Was your God, notice it wasn't Darius' God yet. It was just Daniel's God. Daniel was your God whom you served so faithfully. <laughs> man, if there's not a call in our lives to serve God faithfully in front of some heathens, man. I believe that God puts Daniel's in, in high up governments too. To win some of these people over, like Adarius. Was he able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel, a, from his surprise, right? Long live the king. That's <laughs> crazy. What an attitude. Because if I was Daniel, I'm not going to curse, okay? But if I was Daniel, I'll say, You flipping idiot! You flipping their bag. You almost had me killed. Get me out. There's lions in here. But he doesn't curse. He doesn't curse God. He doesn't curse himself. He doesn't even curse the captor that threw him in there. He honors him. Long live. Long live the king. That's crazy. I don't understand that. Do you want to know why he said, long live the king? Huh? Not normal? Yeah, it's one of our quotes. Because way before they threw him in the den, his attitude was already one of thanksgiving. So when he was in the hell of his problem, and the devil himself showed up, long live the king. And you know, for a fact, the king looked at him and says, how is it that you are not cursing me? How is it that you are not hating me? But instead you choose to honor me. Oh, king, because your lion's then, your lion's then, has no power has no power. You see, your lion's den is the natural. And the natural things have no power over that Amen. which is supernatural. Yes. So when I was thrown into a lion's den to harm me from worshiping one God, what you guys didn't know was that that wasn't gonna change my view. Because what has happened to me is stronger, is deeper, and it's way more ferocious than a den of lions. You're going to have to crank it up if you're going to try to outmatch God. Come on, man. Give God some glory. Some glory. That's crazy. That is crazy. (laughs) Long live the king. Let's keep reading. Why not? My God sent, verse 22, his angels <laughs> to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in God's sight, and I have now wronged you, your majesty. <laughs> That's so beautiful, man. It's so beautiful. If you keep my path, I will reveal to you the salvation. Of God. How are you still alive down there? There, 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 there. Because I kept his path. Path, path, path. (laughs) And scripture says that if you keep his path, the salvation of God will be revealed to you. Do you break in the lions den or do you are you made stronger in the lions den There are two kinds of Christians the ones that break and conform to the pattern of that which is breaking them or the one who is transformed and is changed into the image of God Come on And that's what he's going through here That's exactly what's happening to him here. If you keep his path, O king, he's going to save you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bow down and worship my image. Heck no, we're not going to bow down. Well, do you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to be thrown into a furnace. Bring it on then. Well, you know what? I'm so upset I'm going to crank it seven more times. How about you crank it eight? I don't care. Because O king know this. That our God, whom we serve, is able to save us in the fire and even if he does not save us know this O king that we will not worship your idol but we will worship the one true God bring us into the fire next thing you know they're dancing and having a party with God in the fire I'm telling you that whether you're in a den or whether you're in a fire or whether you're in the fish's belly or whether you're in a storm whether you're sinking whether you're drowning whether you're burning whether whatever it is there is a fire there is a scorching that might happen there is a death there's lines that might eat you up. Whatever may be your circumstance, God is in it with you. Sit it. But we can learn something from Daniel. While he was in it, he was faithful. When he was in it, he stayed responsible. When he was in it, he stayed trustworthy when facing his biggest trial, his greatest storm, listen, church, it came natural from him to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving that honors God. I'll say that again. When facing his biggest trial, his biggest storm, Daniel, it came natural from him to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving That honors God. Come on, church. Come on, church. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way aright, I will show the salvation of God. I know that in Christ our trials. Have the ability to make us better rather than to harm us. I know that because I'm someone, and you're probably gone through a trial that has made you better than it was to harm you. But it just comes down to what attitude will you carry in those trials? Will you choose bitter? Will you choose ungrateful? Will you choose negative? Listen, we've all done that. We've all chosen those things. We've chosen those things before. Or will you choose to lay yourself down? And offer yourself as a sacrifice of thanksgiving, because the truth is, guys. The, I may not understand why the wind is blowing the direction it is, but man, I'm going to kneel. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to choose to give thanks, as it is usual for me to do. Come on, how many of us could have that attitude? So, what are you going to do with the rest of the? Like, there's the lions. Then, what are you going to do with that? Oh, that stuff? I'll leave it up to God. The rest of it, I'll leave it up to the Lord to handle. Did you guys understand what I just said there? I'm going to stay faithful. But there's a lion's then because of your faithfulness, right? So I'll, here, here goes everything I believe in, ready? I'm going to have to just trust the Lord in that. He's going to handle that lion's then for me. Because I believe the second part of that verse. The second part is that if I keep to my path, he will reveal to me his salvation. Jonah was praying in the belly of the fish for deliverance. And what does he pray? But I'm worshiping you, God. Jonah, chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. I'm worshiping you, God. Finally, it came to his senses. And I'm calling out in Thanksgiving. I'll do what I promised i do. Watch what it says next. Because if I stay on path, he will reveal his what? Salvation belongs to the Lord. Come on, you think Jonah was having a good slumber party for three days? That thing smelled. That thing was slimy. You know how thirsty Jonah was? You know he wasn't having a barbecue in that belly of the fish? Our God is in the belly of that mess. That mess that's in your life, he's in the belly of it with you. In the center of that storm, in the heat of that fire, in the fear, in the darkness of that den, I want you to know this. Our God is present. How many of you could say amen? But here's the question. Are you present with thanksgiving? Long live the king. Are you present with thanksgiving? Because if God is there, and there's got to be something to be grateful for. Because when all things have forsaken me, there is one who has not forsaken me. And that is just enough for me to be grateful and thankful for in the midst of my den. God's, God's got me. And I'm thankful for that. You with me? Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Let's worship, let's do that. Now. Jesus, what amazing Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Just as I am my girl, Thank you, Jesus, just as I am my God.